This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the host of Ringler Radio and the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. And we're certainly glad you joined us here today. Well, we're coming to you from the 2009 AAJ Annual Convention, this year held in San Francisco. What a great city. Although it is a little chilly here, I notice that you, people are wearing overcoats at night to uh, go to the baseball games. That's kind of quite interesting, Manny, isn't it? Well, and, and we're not used to it. We're from San Diego, so weather is <laughs> 70 degrees all the time. Well, that voice you heard is uh, my co-host today and my colleague at Ringler, Manny Valdez, Jr. Now, Manny is a settlement annuity specialist in the San Diego and Las Vegas offices. You do double duty there, Manny. Yes. Very interesting. And uh, you also specialize in the area of medical malpractice, product liability, workers' comp, and non-qualified annuities. You know, your uh, and your dad is in this business as well. He is. And he he's is. He's a big inspiration to you, I hear. It's been great. I mean, it was it was certainly an easy way for me to get in, and he, um, you know, took me everywhere he was going, and, and really showed me the ropes. So yeah, he's a great guy. That's Manny Senior. Well, also today on Ringler Radio, we're going to be taking a look at the core of being a plaintiff attorney. We'll look at the work of a plaintiff attorney, connecting with the community through public service, and also take a look at some specific cases that some plaintiff attorneys are beginning to take on. And to help us through that, we're going to be joined today by our special guest, Attorney John Gomez, a nationally recognized trial attorney from the Gomez Law Firm in San Diego. Since 2000, he's obtained quite a few verdicts in the millions of dollar range, and uh, John, it's a pretty impressive record. You brought passion for the rule of law and justice to your work. Perhaps most notably, you've obtained three jury verdicts in excess of uh, several million dollars in which the defendants had offered nothing whatsoever to settle prior to the trial. That's very interesting. Uh, In fact, it may be more than three jury verdicts. You know, I, I think by now it's probably a lot more. Well, let me ask you this question, John. First of all, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Now, here's the issue. What could those defendants have been thinking? to offer absolutely nothing on cases you ultimately got millions of dollars for? I don't know what they were thinking. We saw the value in the cases, and we thought they were just cases, and, and so I just don't have an explanation. <laughs> well, or maybe we did a really good job. I'm I, not sure. I think that's what it is. It's that San Diego sunshine. <laughs> well, let's start off by discussing your firm and the type of litigation you're involved in. Tell, tell us about that. The Gomez Law Firm is in San Diego. We have six lawyers. We do exclusively plaintiff's work. Uh, high-end personal injury, products liability, insurance bad faith, elder abuse, kind of the gamut. We'll basically take any high-value plaintiff's case, and uh, we try quite a few cases. Some, some cases, you're not sure they're high-value when you take them, though, aren't Isn't that true? I mean, they, someone will come in with a case that ultimately becomes a high-value case because of the work you do. Oh, sure. A lot of the cases that you referenced, these cases where we didn't get an offer, a lot of lawyers had turned those cases down. But we can kind of see, you know, the the silver in the in the muck. <laughs> there you go. So, John, you're about to do a presentation here on roof crush at the AJ convention. Uh, what is roof crush, and who's it affecting? Roof crush is 
what we call this phenomena in which uh, vehicles roll over. We've all heard about rollover wrecks. Sure. And when that happens in the vast majority of the roofs of vehicles on the road today, the roofs will essentially collapse. And if you're unlucky enough to be underneath where the roof collapses, then you're going to end up, uh, chances are, being very seriously injured or killed. And so that's what roof crush is. Well, we know that the results of roof crush are very tragic. Uh, they've given rise to a number of cases, as you know. Uh, what what does the auto industry need to do? I, I know when you pursue these cases, you're not only trying to pursue them for, on behalf of your clients, but hopefully it helps the industry learn some lessons about perfecting the way they manufacture these cars so there'll be fewer roof crush injuries. So what does the auto industry have to do about the roof crush problem? Well, Larry, I think that's a great point. One of the main reasons we bring these cases is to uh, essentially convince the auto industry to make its product safer. And so we see kind of examples. We see um, the placement of gas tanks by way of example. Remember the Pintos? Sure. They had the gas tanks back behind the rear axle. There was uh, litigation that uh, proved very uh, costly and expensive for companies like Ford. So they just moved the gas tank up. Uh, cases like the Explorer, we've all heard about the Explorer. The original Explorer, you know, had a real narrow track width, a real high center of gravity. The new Explorers are a lot lower to the ground, have a lot wider base. And that, in part, was based upon lawsuits brought by firms like ours. With these, the roof, you know, it kind of lagged behind those two things. And so uh, part of the reason we do what we do is to convince these manufacturers, hey, you know, you got to take this seriously. A lot of these vehicles are ending up on their roofs and you need to make sure that those roofs protect uh, the people inside them, consumers like our clients. Well, you know, it's funny. The two examples you gave were the, were about Ford Motor Company products and that, that seems to be the only company right now that's still in existence and thriving. Uh, what is uh, What do you see the effect of the downturn in the economy, the the really disassembly of GM and some of the, and Chrysler, uh, how, how is that going to affect those companies as they deal with the issues of safety and th- those other issues you raise? Well, I think that uh, companies are now finding that economically safety sells. You see companies um, doing well um, based on safety. The, the companies that kind of did go uh, bankrupt, General Motors and Chrysler, um, I, I think, uh, and it remains to be seen how that's all going to sort out. Sure, yeah. Those weren't traditional bankruptcies in in the in our understanding. At least GM wasn't. No, not at all. You've got the government uh, providing funding. You've got uh, deals being sort of brokered. And part of the struggle right now is to see what's going to happen with people that had claims pending. You know how well they run the post office. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it, it's hopeful though. Um, and, and the companies that are still around. You know, you think about Volvo and uh, Mercedes and BMW, companies that have historically cared deeply about safety. And so I I think that fortunately, uh, American consumers are kind of getting the lesson now and they're demanding a safer product. That's just something that looks good. And so, you know, have there been any uh, recent changes with federal regulations about how strong vehicle roof should be? It's funny uh, you should say that because... Very recently, uh, there there was a change to the roof crush standard. Actually, uh, this was pending in front of the Senate, and they had a new roof crush standard. We'd had the same standard since 1971, and the new roof crush standard they were going to put into effect was a weak one. 
And so uh, I, uh, some other plaintiff's attorneys, some of my clients, we went off to Washington, D.C., and we testified before the Senate. And the Senate said, hey, you know, you're right. We need to, you know, do a little more. So we just got a new roof crust standard. It essentially doubles the requirement of the roof, requires testing on both sides, and it applies the new standard to a broader class of vehicles. What, what would have been the arguments of the co- of the auto companies against the strong standard? Is it a cost issue for them? It's, um, it's mainly the sort of nonsensical notion that roof crush doesn't matter, that weak roofs don't matter because once the vehicle gets upside down, we're going to dive toward the ground anyways, and it doesn't matter if we got a good roof or a bad roof. That's kind of their main argument. Others are that if we put a bunch of structure up on top, we're going to cause the thing to be more tippy, causing more accidents to happen to begin with. And then there's some kind of silly arguments about fuel economy. But all the arguments are kind of not well taken. And, and in speaking of all these kinds of cases that, that arise, are you finding that most of the cases you bring uh, are settling or are you having to bring more cases to trial as these years have gone by? Uh, we find right now we're trying a lot of cases. It may be because we ask for a lot of money in our cases or what we perceive as full compensation. I think at some level, the uh, defendants and their insurers are feeling economically challenged right now. And so they're saying, hey, we're not going to just pay out on cases. We're going to try cases. Um, It may be that. It may be because they perceive that jurors in these economic times are not going to award a lot of money. But we're trying a lot of cases and it seems to be working out for us. So we're okay with that. Well, our audience always loves to hear about real life cases. For instance, you are currently involved in a very interesting case involving a teacher having sex with a student. Can you tell us about that? Speaking about crushes. Yeah, how about that? Huh? It was a crush too. And, and wow. that that was a case uh, in which there was a no offer whatsoever prior to trial. We just tried the case, got a uh, verdict in excess of a million dollars. And the reason we did the case was down in San Diego, where I'm from, we've had a big problem with teachers having sex with students. It's it's unbelievable. It's like epidemic. Have you analyzed it? Uh, what is the problem? What, why in San Diego is that happening? Well, I think what we found by virtue of our case was that the districts and the schools do next to nothing to train teachers. Uh, the districts and the schools do next to nothing to set up sort of protocol for coming forward. You know, you go to work in a corporate environment, you see all these like sex harassment training and posters and everybody knows, look, you know, you can't do it, you can't do it. And there's really nothing like that in the schools. And it almost becomes a matter, what we found in our case was it was kind of a matter of kind of gossip. You know, everybody talked about it, everybody knew about it, but nobody stepped up and did anything about it. So this teacher had a sexual relationship he was 38, married, couple kids with the young lady. Uh, he waited until she turned 16 to actually have sex with her, but they had a continuous sexual relationship until she graduated from high school. Interesting. And what was the outcome of that, that case? The outcome of that case was uh, we obtained a verdict of $1,250,000. And really the larger outcome, because she's off at school uh, up here, actually at Berkeley, Straight A's doing well, but hopefully the larger outcome will be that these districts say, hey, you know, we got to take this seriously. 
we got to prevent this from happening. We're going to uh, be proactive. So you're trying to affect public policy and how this is all coming around. Yeah, without question. That's why we do a lot of what we do. Just like we talked about with the cars, we do it in sort of the public arena here to protect kids. And how do you strive to change things for the better through cases? Well, I think you do it in a couple different ways. One, you obviously try to improve the lives of your clients. So uh, individually, in this case, you know, this young lady, I think, was um, devastated by what had happened to her. Basically, has her youth taken, um, is the subject of, to some degree, ridicule and scorn, kind of even herself, you know, how could I get myself into this? And so for her, this is a vindication. She got money that's going to enable her to seek counseling. You know, with our roof crush cases, you know, we get money that helps them meet their medical needs, improve their life. So one case at a time. But then in the larger sense, obviously with the automotive cases, we say, hey, it's going to cost you this much money, you know, to pay us at the end or you can fix it on the front end. And so it causes them to take safety more seriously. School case, it causes them to take, again, safety of children more seriously. So you do it kind of twofold. You know, we're, we're also hearing uh, there's a whole other arena these days that's really coming uh, to the fore, and that's financial elder abuse, where uh, older folks are really getting taken advantage of in the financial arena. Tell us about some cases. I understand you do some work in this area. Tell us about some cases you have here. We just had a, um, a trial this year, earlier this year, in a case where an elderly couple had run a business and as part of that, purchased a building. And that basically was their retirement. You know, they owned a small business. You know, there's no 401ks. There's no you know, Ringler, you know, to set aside, you know, defer your income, anything like that back then. For them, it was the building. And so they get to a point where they're going to sell the building to cash out for their retirement. And they get swindled at some level by their own broker, a very prominent um, commercial brokerage firm. And so we bring a case not only for fraud, but also under California's financial elder abuse laws. And we prevailed on that. The first jury verdict in the country in a case, an arm's length commercial transaction where they said, hey, you're taking advantage of old folks and hence the specialty, special penalties apply. Here you get fees, you get punitive damages possibly. And so, you know, it's important. It's, we have an aging population. You know, we're taking care of the kids in the schools. We're taking care of the old folks on the yeah, other end. I'm part of that. <laughs> we're all getting there. Yeah. We're all heading there. And, you know, it was important to us because what we found in that industry is it's all commission. It's all the sale. You know, and I know that by example, you know, Ringler and folks in your industry are also paid at some level on a commission basis. But it's not just closing the deal. It's not just shoving the thing. But we found in the commercial real estate, there was a little bit of that. And we said, hey, jury, you know, let, let's change the rules a little bit. Let's reward the sort of ethical, honest, moral broker. And so hopefully, you know, by virtue of that case, that's what we're encouraging. And to be a little more careful when you're dealing with old folks. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's take a short break right now. And when we come back, we'll uh, discuss a few more issues with our special guest, Attorney John Gomez. This is Ringler Radio. Legal information, trends, and topics from Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. 
Experience counts. Over 140,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio. From Ringler Associates, placing more than $20 billion in structures over the past 30 years. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. This is Ringler Radio. Celebrating three years on the Legal Talk Network with topics important to the legal community. Did you know you could download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Ringler Radio. It's free. Did you know the number of listeners to Ringler Radio doubled in 2008? Thanks to our loyal listeners and welcome to all our new listeners as well. Well, welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and again, glad you joined us. I'm sitting here with uh, my colleague from Ringler, Manny Valdez Jr., and attorney John Gomez, nationally recognized trial attorney from the Gomez Law Firm in San Diego, California. Well, John, the uh, AAJ convention here in San Francisco is the perfect place for uh, trial lawyers like yourself to get together, discuss how they're helping uh, the public. What inspired you to become a plaintiff attorney? Tell us about uh, the reasons you, you got into this field. Well, I had come from a defense background. I worked for a very large corporate law firm, basically uh, lawyering for real big companies, Fortune 500 companies, big cases. And after that, I went to work for the government um, as a federal prosecutor. And so I kind of seen the lawyering that the big companies get and that the government gets and I kind of compared that to the lawyering that most, you know, of us get. And when I say us, I just mean, you know, like... The common folk? Yeah, yeah. You know, like my family, you know, my friends, the people I grew up with. And so I, there was a variance, yeah. or, you know, a rather, rather steep variance. And so I said, hey, you know, why don't... Wouldn't it be neat, it, you know, if this notion of equal justice was in fact true, that if the other, the little guy got real good lawyers too you know, what might end up happening. And so um, after having worked for big companies and after having worked for the government, I just felt in my heart that my place was on the other side of the line with the kind of ordinary person. That's cool. That's cool. You also go into uh, surrounding communities on Saturdays to help with legal issues. How has this work impacted you as a plaintiff attorney? Well, you know, it's and, and when I when we say legal issues, you know, sometimes we're out there helping on, you know, with legal stuff. But what we try to do um, is make a very regular and concerted effort to provide ordinary community service. And so we'll go out and help with like Special Olympics. We'll go out and help, um, you know, pick up trash or feed the homeless or. Just, you're, you're talking about real life stuff. You're yeah, doing. yeah. Not, we not roll just, up our sleeves. Yeah, you roll and, up your sleeves and and get to it because. I think, one, we trial lawyers have a certain image, you know, yes. which is not a, a always a, a, a pleasant one. And so we get out there and we say, hey, you know, here we are. We're, we don't have anything in this. We're not trying to sign up cases or make money. We're just trying to make our communities a better place, um, just like what we try to do at work. And I think it helps us become and remain better lawyers to do that kind of work, to say, Hey, you know, take off your suit. You know, you're really not all that important or special. Maybe today, the way you can best make your community a better place is to make this, you know, single person smile a little bit. And so that's what we do. And John, what are some of the uh, common legal issues you see in the community today? Well, um, 
I, I think that in terms of sort of a grassroots um, sort of legal notion, I think, you know, people at the very bottom are concerned with the things most basic, you know, legal issues involving freedom, involving where they're going to live, involving where they're going to get something to eat, involving uh, remaining safe from people that uh, intend to do them harm or could do them harm. And so, you know, you see things like restraining orders, you see things like, you know, uh, who's going to have my kids? Where am I going to live? Am I going to get evicted? You know, where's yeah. my food stamps? Real, you know, real those, life, real yeah. life issues. And being from San Diego, I'm sure you're involved in, uh, I would call it the immigration issue down there. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of these issues are, are surround themselves with uh, uh, some pretty tough, tough decisions to make down there on the balancing of, of freedoms and rights versus obligations and all of that. How, how do you deal with that in San Diego? Well, I think that's... Uh, a big issue, obviously. I like big issues. <laughs> yeah. <and> so <laughs> San Diego, of course, you know, like a lot of the Southwest is on the border with Mexico. Right. And I think obviously uh, originally was part of Mexico. And so there is um, obviously a large um, migrant population. And so a lot of those folks are my clients. Um, a lot of those folks are people that we meet when we go out into the community. And, and, a lot of them are, and I would say the overwhelming majority from my perspective, are tremendously uh, successful and productive members of our community that are basically are trying to get... But they're powerless, and you're going to help them with a little bit of that Hopefully, power. yeah. Hopefully, yeah. That, that's what we try to do. Well, that's a, that's a big job, and it's an important job. I mean, it's a, you're dealing with real people's lives every right. day. So given all that you've done and, and some of the community service issues you, you're talking about, uh, what advice would you give to a a young starting out plaintiff attorney or a law student out there who dreams of becoming a plaintiff attorney one day. I, I sense from you that you're not just the typical, let me handle the case and move on. You've, you've got some uh, stake in people's lives. How, how would you talk to a young person about what, what lies ahead in the plaintiff attorney world? Well, I think um, I would tell them a, a couple things. You know, one is that there's no shortcut to success. In especially doing what we do. You see some of these people that are here um, obviously have done well for themselves, but I would virtually guarantee you that every one of them was perhaps the hardest working lawyer that they knew, you know, back in the day. And so one thing you really, really, really have to do is work very, very, very hard if you're ever going to have any success. And then the second part of it, I think what we really try to do is get to know our clients very well. We spend a lot of time with them. If we have a case coming up to trial, we just start hanging out with them. You know, because we'll go to dinner, we'll have them over to the house, we'll, you know, do this with them, we'll do that with them. If they like to do something, we'll go do that with them. We'll yeah. go fish or boat or what have you. Because, you know, only then can you really communicate, you know, what they've been through as a human being. You have to connect with them. Oh, without question. Because if you don't, then I think you're powerless to tell their story uh, to the jury if you don't have a real human understanding of them. And so if you were thinking about being a plaintiff's uh, attorney, I would say, look, you're going to have to work hard. You're going you're to be poor <laughs> probably for a while. Um, you've got to care about people. You've got to be in it for the right reason. If you're in it for money, it's not going to work out for you. Um, but if you're in it for the right reasons and you work hard and you care about people, it's going to be a very rewarding career. And when you're in that courtroom, you have to have a great ability to tell a story that empathizes with the jury. 
so that that jury is going to be able to see that case from from all of their eyes. Yeah, and, and I think that's your job. Yeah, and I think the the way you get there is you become so connected with your case and you become so connected with your client that you're utterly transparent. You know, you've got not a thing to hide from the jury. And I think that comes across. They have confidence in you and they end up doing the right thing. Well, that's impressive. And with that, I think we'll wrap up the show. And uh, John, it's been a pleasure. Tell me, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? They would call us uh, in San Diego at 619-237-3490 or look us up on the internet at uh, www.thegomezfirm.com. Like The Ohio State University. That's huh? it. There you go. And Manny, if someone wanted to talk to you, uh, get in touch with you, how would they do that? Sure. Number is 877-231-3334. And you can always reach all of us at the ringlerassociates.com. Super. And uh, in case any of you are first-time listeners, you should know that every Ringler radio show can be downloaded from our website, as Manny said, ringlerassociates.com. Or on the Legal Talk Network, you can download it at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Or you can download it from iTunes and actually play it on your iPod as you're jogging around the lake. Is there a good lake down there in San Diego? No, we got a, some called the Pacific Ocean. Oh, that's even yeah. better. So you can do that uh, as you're dr- jogging along there, John, and uh, you'll hear your own voice. Awesome. That's cool. So thanks for listening, everybody. John, thank you for being here. And thank for the you. rest of you out there, go make it a great day. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Prudential.